If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello everybody, Andy Burt here. Welcome along to episode 61 of the Early Excellence Podcast. This week we've got a different sort of episode for you. We have got um, a kind of a head-to-head podcast, an Early Excellence head-to-head podcast takeover. So a different sort of episode for you. Um, And to tee it up, I'm joined by my colleague Sarah Carey. Sarah, how are you? Yeah, I'm all good, thank you. How about you? Yeah, not bad at all. Not bad at all. So we talked to you a little while ago, didn't we, about the head-to-head podcast? Because you were just get you were just about to get started on the head-to-head podcast when we spoke to you last time, which is a, I think a couple of months ago, two or three months ago. Um, you've had a few episodes out. How's it going? Yeah. Yeah, it's going really well, thank you. Um, I think uh, when I spoke with you last, we hadn't launched any. Um, and our session, we talked a bit about me and what we were hoping to achieve out of the podcast. And actually, they're going really well. We've released one in January and one in February. And our our next one is due to go out this week. So we've had some really good feedback from heads and school leaders, um, people who have listened and then just dropped me an email to say it's really useful, more of the same. I've had some people get in touch and say we'd like to be involved. Um, and lots of messages just saying really helpful in terms of helping us to think about what might be happening and helping to shape what we're talking about in school. So, yeah, it's going really, really well. Thank you. And I'm excited today to, to be able to actually, as you say, take take over your your listeners just just as a one off, I think, um, just to give people a bit of a flavour of what they might be missing. So I don't want to I don't want to snap all your listeners away, but it'd be great if some of them want to subscribe to ours as well. That sounds good. Sounds good. No, I I think our listeners will really appreciate it. Appreciate it. I think um, this particular episode that we've got for you is a really interesting one, isn't it? It's um, it's your interview with a lady called Emma, who is an executive head teacher, isn't she? Um, do you want to tell us a bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. So you're right. Emma is uh, executive principal over three schools in the Inspiring Primaries um, Academy Trust, IPAT. Um, And she's, uh, I I know Emma in terms of I've worked with her a few times um, and um, got to know her and then said, actually, it'd be great for you to share these experiences because Emma, bless her, has three schools that she is executive principal over and um, had her three school inspections in quite quick succession. Um, So she kind of was able to have the first experience, took a lot of learning from that, um, was able to feed that into her second and then third experience. But I think why it's why I'm really keen to share this one is because Emma talks brilliantly but also she's got two small schools that she looks after, um, around 100 pupils in each, and one large school that's growing. So in terms of your listeners, it will hit all those sorts of spots. Um, Also, they're church schools, and of course, she's in a trust as well. So um, she's got such a lot to share. And I think really interesting to hear, actually, um, I don't think she was smiling at the time, having had three in quick succession, but to hear the commonalities between them, um, which I think offers some reassurances, And then, of course, some of the differences because small schools have um, she's got some top tips for small schools, which, of course, is quite different to a very large school. So um, really interesting. And she talks around um, leadership. She talks around how conversations were managed. She talks around what the inspectors kind of looked at. So lots of really insightful information that I just think would be great to share more widely. 
Very good. Right. Well, um, without further ado, over to the episode with Sarah Carey, uh, the Head to Head podcast episode. Here you go. So in this episode, we're going to be hearing from Emma Prokopachuk, Executive Head Teacher for three schools in the Inspiring Primaries Academy Trust. Hi, Emma. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Thank you. Good. It's nice to have you here. I'm just I am just smiling now because I've managed to pronounce your surname properly, which I should know inside out because we worked together before, haven't we? But uh, that I've been practicing it. So I hope you're pleased. Absolutely. <laughs> very well done. It was perfect. Oh, bless you. Anyway, it's great to be uh, speaking with you today. And I know that you've got lots to share because you're an executive head teacher. I know you've got three schools that you look after and three all those three had their inspections in quite quick succession. So I guess you've got quite a lot to share and quite a lot to, to draw upon, as it were. Absolutely. So I think I'm keen to hear there's kind of two things, really, because I think listeners are going to really find it useful to hear your thoughts as an executive head teacher and the things that you took from the inspections. But I also think um, some of the listeners will be really keen to hear about two of your schools in particular, um, Sharnford and Ullersthorpe, because they're both very small schools, aren't they? And in fact, I think one of them has got 14 or 15 in their reception. Is that right? right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think hearing about those those kind of smaller schools inspections will be quite helpful as well because I know that's something that we we get asked lots about so we're uh, so looking forward to the session so I think probably it's probably uh, best to start with finding a bit about yourself and your school so if we can kick off with you sharing a bit about yourself that would be great yeah thank you Sarah um so I'm executive principal of of three schools and I think when the role started it was it was quite a, a new role um, we're part of a trust of nine schools and my three schools work together to form what we call a hub. Um, so that means we have uh, one executive head teacher or executive principal, whichever whichever term you prefer, um, with three schools. And I have a head of school in each school and more of those roles are beginning to be shared. For example, I've now got a, a hub business manager that, again, works with me across the three schools and most recently a family support worker who also works works across the three schools. All Saints uh, is the bigger of the three. All Saints is a growing school. Um, we're at around 300 on roll at the moment, um, growing from what was seven classes several years ago to eventually 14 classes at the moment. We're sat on 12. Quite a high proportion of special educational needs, and that's the same at all three schools, around that 25% mark. Um, and uh, around 20% uh, disadvantage, so pupil premium at um, at All Saints. Um, All Saints is quite interesting. It's, it's a great school to work in. Um, we we serve uh, the Gypsy Roma Traveller site uh, just down the road by the, the M69. The other two schools are actually very similar, very similar sizes, and both of them have grown considerably in the last um, two or three years. Um, Ullersthorpe has now tipped at around 110, and Sharnford sits around that 100 mark. So small schools, um, but both have grown um, in recent years. Again, very similar numbers of uh, pupil premium and send at Ullersthorpe. Um, and at Sharnford, uh, similar again, uh, similar again there. All three of my schools are church schools. Um, for those of you that know about church schools, uh, All Saints was originally an aided school, whereas uh, Sharnford and um, Ullersthorpe were controlled schools. 
Thank you. It sounds like you must have a very busy time then across those three. And I know, as you say, you've got head of schools for each of those three schools and, and actually useful to hear the strategy that you're using. So although you're within a trust, actually, your three schools are seen as a hub and that you're connecting and sharing out some of those wider roles. And I think that's really useful to hear. So, uh, as I mentioned, you did have uh, your three schools were inspected in quite quick succession, really, weren't they? Um, and I guess it would be really interesting to hear your thoughts about each, but for us to kind of draw out the similarities and the differences um, within how those three things went and in your key, key learnings, really. So it's easy for me to say, I'm going to sit back now and kind of say, tell us, tell us about your experiences and share some of the things that you think actually our listeners might find really useful or as a as a head or an exec head some of the things that you kind of think oh I wish I'd have known that or you know how were these these experiences what would I take from it and share with others so over to you if that's okay Emma. yeah absolutely I've got to rewind my mind back a few months so I'm I'm hoping I can remember everything that I, I want to share um None of the inspections came as a surprise to us. I think that's the first important thing to say. We knew they were coming. We didn't expect them to be in such quick succession. But actually, in many ways, looking back, that worked really well for us now. Because what I learned from the first inspection, which was the big school All Saints, I was able to take forward into the second and the third inspection. We have so many similarities across our three schools. Um, So, for example, we share a curriculum. Um, and we share we share key staff that 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 was really helpful. Um, it's very different to previous inspections under the old framework um, in the sense that that initial telephone call with the lead inspector is incredibly important. And I wish I'd prepared for my first one in the same detail that I was then able to prepare for numbers two and three. Um, so I learned from the first inspection of the bigger school that for the second and third inspection, I would make notes around key areas prior to talking with the inspector. So key areas are going to be obviously um, your demographics, your numbers on roll, etc. But most importantly, uh, your work around the curriculum. That was absolutely key to those conversations and that drove the, the conversations that we had um, in terms of the intent, the implementation and the impact, but also thinking about early years also thinking about provision we've got in in place for our SEND children. And I think the outcomes of that conversation set the tone for the inspection. I think the other thing I'd suggest is don't be afraid to have some key people around the table at that call. Um, So um, I, for each of the three, for each of the three phone calls, um, I had my key leaders there. So I had my SENCO there. Um, We had a the trust leader there, albeit quietly in the background. Um, <laughs> and uh, I had my English and my math subject leaders there as well. Um, and that was and my curriculum lead um, in some of the schools. And, and that was incredibly helpful because where one of us faltered, others of us were, were able to step in. And as an executive head and as a head teacher, you've got expertise in many areas, but you can't talk in the depth for some of those areas that you would like to in front of an inspector. So I think particularly, you know, about early years there, about some aspects of the curriculum there as well. Um, so I would say, top tip, um, gather the right people around you for that phone call. You get time 
beforehand to gather that team together. So um, on the first day they called, I wasn't in school. Uh, the the um, office staff were able to get hold of me. And I think we booked the meeting for about an hour, an hour and a half later. So I think it was midday uh, when we all sat around the table for that meeting. Um, find yourself a phone where you can use speakerphone so that everybody can contribute and everybody can um, hear the conversation. I think that's really useful and there's some, some key messaging there around um, actually in your role as exec head or actually as head you do you want to be there for your team don't you and you want to kind of take that weight of doing as much as you can but I think you're quite right to point out yes there's lots of experience and expertise but having other people in to support with that conversation is helpful to you and to one another but also they're hearing the messages because as you've said it's setting that stall out isn't it and you, uh, you get a sense of where the inspection is going to go from that conversation so the people who are involved in that initial call will take that away with them as well won't they that knowledge of where things are going to go so I think that's that's really important and was you say then from your experiences um that actually those three telephone calls took a, a very similar <laughs> took a similar flow and thread if that makes sense in terms of things that you discussed where each of those even though they're different schools that that initial conversation was quite similar in terms of the themes that you were discussing for each absolutely yeah absolutely they did and that's why after the first conversation I was able to note some of the questions down uh, to think carefully about how the how the following conversations were to be structured yeah yeah and again that's that's great because you always prepare as much as you can don't you for for that initial call if you're in the window and as you say you were you were they were not a surprise to get the call and they weren't in quick succession for any reason you were due and you were aware of that um but actually having that opportunity to yes prepare up but then reflect on that so that when the call came for your next school actually you can kind of go in with a little bit more more information and help the help the oils help to oil those wheels to to kind of help the conversation move forward I think yes I think be prepared as well for how long those conversations are going to take they're not 10 minute conversations they're conversations I think our first one on both counts was a good hour and then you might stop and then you might have a second conversation so it actually takes you yourself and your leaders out for quite a big part of of the day the other thing it's so important to have to hand is the timetables for the different classes because that's something that they wanted relatively swiftly I think maybe they gave us half an hour an hour to get those across and you know it might be that you want to tweak some of those timetables such that certain yeah. subjects are on there uh, yeah. for your for your deep dive so it's important to have those ready as a leader so you can quickly look at those and send those across rather than have to spend time chasing people and, and trying to pin people down yeah and I think we'll probably come to cut deep dives later on in the conversation but again as a, as a school having some thoughts about in your ideal world the subjects that you'd like people to be deep diving into I think is, is again a discussion worth having um, ahead of any inspection really and really thinking about why you might be promoting those subjects as a deep dive if you can weave that into the initial conversation because there might be things that you want to show that are real strengths of your school or actually you might want a deep dive in an area where the subject's being recently developed so that you can kind of exemplify the development journey that you're going on and how you approach school development and the impact of your recent work so again I think giving thought to as you say timetables but also having a discussion with your key leaders about what would be your ideal deep dive I think is, is also useful to do.
Yeah, that's right, Sarah. And out from the inspections that we did, they seemed to go with what was mostly on the timetable for that day, as opposed to us saying, well, we'd really like you to come and do a deep dive in PE. So really, you've uh, got to very slightly play the game here, I think, if there are certain subjects that you would like them to see. No, that's really interesting and really helpful. Thank you. So in terms of that initial conversation, in terms of that timetabling, um, did you get a feel for the lines of inquiry that were going to come up through the inspections? Not entirely. Um, with the two small schools, it was one day with two inspectors on both counts. Um, and those felt quite different to the larger school where we had, I think, four inspectors, which reduced to three over two days. With the larger school, it became clearer by the end of the day what their threads were going to be. With the smaller school, it was very, very much focused on those key aspects. So your maths, your early reading, your phonics, uh, early years, I would say, was key in all the inspections. And then they chose um, one of the subjects uh, with the smaller schools in order to, to do the deep dive for. And from those subjects, they then kind of made hypotheses, really, uh, about the other subjects across the curriculum. Okay, and I gave it for our listeners who have got small schools. I think that will be really helpful because early maths is not a surprise. Early reading is not a surprise. Phonics isn't a surprise. Um, we know that early years is being looked at. Certainly, in t- initially in that initial conversation, they'll be looking to sense check that the, the executive head or the head teacher has an understanding of early years as much as they do about other year groups in the school as well. So they'll be sense checking that. And of course, um, we know from kind of exploring other re- inspection reports and speaking with inspectors and in other schools that looking at the early years provision and practice, but actually the curriculum and how it connects into key stage one is, is often a line of inquiry that they really want to explore. So so again, I don't think any surprises in that. It's just how that they manage that in a in a small school over one day. And I I would say Sarah that in one of the in one of the two small schools, the inspector asked to see the planning for early years and asked me to speak to her directly without the early years lead. I said, oh, do do you think the early years lead can come and join us? No, I want to talk to you. So it's so important as leaders, we've got an understanding of what that early years curriculum is all about. Yeah. And that's really interesting because obviously I'm, I'm recording some of these podcasts and somebody else has raised that as a um, as a conversation in terms of we know inspectors are happy for two people to perhaps be together in, in meetings. But in terms of you as head, they want to hear what you know, what your what you think is happening in your school, and then they will triangulate that through. And of course, early years is part of that. So, yeah, I think that's a really, a really key point to, to kind of raise, because what they will have then done, I'm sure, is then gone and had a conversation with the early years lead to to kind of check off what you'd said and to investigate that a little bit further to make sure that everything was was tying up. They did, absolutely. That's exactly what they did. Yeah, yeah. So it's not that you have to know every single thing in depth, but you do need to know it well, as you would with any other year group in your school, I think. So was there anything that came up um, kind of that was a little bit unexpected? Because well, you know, when in my school improvement role, I often go in and support with quality assurance or engage in professional conversations. And one of the things that I often talk about is actually you as school leaders are the people who know your school the best. You know your children, you know your families, you know what you're doing and why you're doing things. And actually 
in, in theory, there shouldn't be much that the inspectors raise that you're not aware of because you know what you're doing well. You know what you're kind of developing. You know what's not there yet. But did you have anything that came up that you were slightly surprised about that they talked to you about or anything unexpected? I don't think there was particularly. I, I mean, there was a huge focus on reading. Um, yeah. not unexpected and again not unexpected that they wanted to hear the lowest 20% of children read including onwards into year three and actually they were very open to one of our adults hearing those children read because often our lowest 20% may be our send children and often they can be disadvantaged and for us they can be gypsy roma travelers as well so to yeah. be given that flexibility and I would say to the heads out there take that you know if we can hear our children read and they can observe that's a far a far better better way of doing things um for the for the children i mean they observed phonics uh, they spoke to leaders about reading they spoke to children about reading and very much all of the deep dives followed that pattern they were they did want to meet about safeguarding clearly that was uh, early on the agenda and checked a number of things with staff um on uh, one of the small schools inspection, we did the welcome in the hall and then they asked leaders to leave so that they could ask the staff some safeguarding questions. I think it made the staff very nervous, um, but safeguarding was was from, from the outset. Um, they spoke to us about behaviour, personal development, a big focus on wellbeing and workload, um, which again, it wasn't a surprise, but I was really pleased to see that that was a focus for the for the inspection team. Um, so many of the things that I expected happened. I, I don't think anything would jump out to me as being unexpected, which is in some ways reassuring, I think. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that's that's one of the one of the things that through doing these podcast casts, I'm hearing in terms of actually if the inspections have gone to plan, as it were. And when I say when I say that, I mean, actually, it follows the information that Ofsted have shared out there publicly. They do a lot of myth busting, don't myth busting, don't they? They've got the, the inspections handbook, which they talk and say, this is what we'll be using. There's nothing hidden within it. Um, and sometimes we don't hear about those inspections that actually do what it says on the tin almost and I know it will be rigorous I know it will be robust but you've had three different schools inspected but actually what you're saying is in, in each of those there was nothing unexpected in terms of the inspection process and what they were wanting to talk about so I think that's really helpful and I would echo what you said about the well-being um, and health and well-being of staff because again that's something that's talked about a lot um, within kind of if you watch podcasts of inspectors sharing what might happen in the inspection if you look at that inspection handbook that is something that they talk about that they will be um, kind of exploring threading through being mindful of throughout the inspection and again you you picked up on that and you felt that so I think that's a real positive too I would say Sarah and um, what was interesting in one of the inspections was that they asked to meet with a group of newer staff um, okay. so whether they that was ECTs or uh, newly appointed support staff um, because they wanted to check that the induction process that those people had been through uh, was sufficient so that's that's helpful I think um, for leaders to know. 
Yeah. And again, you would you would like to that's I think it's really smacks of that's not something that your induction process should be strong for your school and for your staff to get it right for their induction and get it right for the children, not actually let's get a rigorous process in place in case inspectors ask. That's something that you would want, isn't it? As inducting staff into your school, you want a procedure that is strong so that they're well equipped. So you're not jumping through that hoop for the inspectors. That's something there. But interesting to hear they selected a group to talk to. Yes. Can I just take you back as well to what you mentioned about the, the the kind of reading deep dive? And again, you've had three schools and it sounds like that process was the same for each. And I think um, it isn't a surprise that they're listening to those tw- uh, lower 20 percent and great that the staff can be involved in that. And again, that's something that if we know is happening, that as a school, we can talk to the inspectors about we'd like we'd like to share the readers um, you can kind of observe but I think for that bottom 20% sometimes it it may be a little bit um, unfamiliar to them to have somebody nearby listening to them read to their familiar person so in terms of supporting those lower 20% because they are often our vulnerable children aren't they Um, actually if if we can at times maybe give them exposure to them reading to their familiar adult as they would normally do but having somebody else around so that again they're they're used to that may may help again because you're wanting to showcase what you do well and you don't want there to be any stumbling blocks for the children and if they're not used to having other people around and about engaging in that it may you know they may not perform as well as we know they can um so i think that's just kind of a, a food for it just came to me as you were talking about it in terms of i know my children in my school would be very happy to read to a familiar adult but would also then be very distracted if I or somebody else appeared to listen in so I just wonder what impact that might have. And we saw that Sarah because you know our inspections were just over 12 months ago now and we were not long out of the pandemic so the children weren't just not used to having anybody different here than read they were really unsure about visitors in school and we said that on all three inspections actually you know our our children are very used to us being this closed unit at the moment and so the children at times did find it really hard to speak to the inspectors and where we could have an adult in the room where we were allowed to have an adult in the room which wasn't at all our meetings we we took that opportunity to give the children that confidence yeah. And again, I, I know kind of in my role when I when I'm going into schools and doing school improvement, I spent, as you will know, I spend a lot of time in provision with the children and trying to engage with the children. And they do demonstrate your kind of curriculum in action. And, and just during those conversations, they'll be able to start to indicate what they've learned, what they've remembered, what they know. They'll show through their kind of conversations, their enthusiasm for the curriculum and their learning. But again, it's it's how used how used are they to having those conversations with people who are not just their class teachers and practitioners. So again, for 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 leadership teams, and we know subject leads kind of need to understand early years much more, don't they? For example, um, are the children used to speaking to other people in the school and engaging? So not not being taken out and, and sitting in a room outside necessarily, but actually engaging, whether it's a year one class, whether it's an early years class, or further up the school how used are our children to engaging in conversations about their learning with people who aren't their class teachers I think that's again another a useful reflection to think about because we know that some children will happily talk about lots of things but we also know that when people like myself or school inspectors turn up we have this knack of going to the children that you go please not that child (laughs) 
And and we've reflected on that ourselves. So, you know, since the inspection, I wouldn't say as a result of the inspection, but I think it's good practice anyway. We do our own subject leader studies. So my PHSE lead spent a day doing a subject leader study um, in, in the three schools and speaking to children, partly for that reason. And children tell the truth, don't they? Children don't make things up if you want to hear, if you want to hear exactly how something's going, you speak to the children. Yeah, absolutely. And they need to they need to be okay with having those conversations um, with people that they're not familiar with. And again, that's not not just because of inspectors, but actually, if your if your subject leads are going in, then you want them to be building up those relationships so that the subject leaders can be quality assuring their subject across the school and actually being able to target the right support for the staff to kind of move that kind of practicing curriculum forward if needs be. So. I mean, we're, we're dancing around a little bit deep dive, I suppose. Now we, we've talked we've talked about reading as one, but what other subjects were looked at in in detail? Can you remember in terms of one or each of the schools, and and were you involved at all in that, or was that other people? I've dug out the timetable, Sarah, to remind myself <laughs> it was quite different in all three. So, at the bigger school, All Saints, we had deep dives in two subjects: so PE and history. Um, I would say if you use something particular that's different to the norm, you've got to be really clear about why you do it and how you do it. So we use a scheme called Real PE. And if you don't understand Real PE, it's very difficult to um, go and observe a session um, and to then kind of make judgments based on that. So if you're using something like Real PE or something that is a bit different, I would say almost have a rationale ready, whether that's around your intent, uh, to be able to share with inspectors. So when they come in and when they observe teaching, they've got that understanding of why you've chosen uh, that particular way of working. So we had PE in history in the um, larger school because we felt they were more developed subjects. Um, then at one of the smaller schools, again, we had history. Um, and at the other smaller school, we actually had RE. Um, now, it is important to know that if you're a Church of England aided school or a former Church of England aided school, you cannot be inspected uh, for RE. But however, if you're a controlled school or were a controlled school before you became an academy, actually RE can be a really good subject to choose to have a deep dive in. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, again, that's that's very interesting because um Again, depending on your context, that might be really pertinent for some people to know. And I think you're absolutely spot on with the rationale. We talk a lot um, about knowing what you do and what, you know, your three eyes, of course, but not forgetting the why. And if you are approaching something in a slightly different way, it will be because it's going to meet the needs of your children. It suits your cohort. And I would imagine for schools that are perhaps not um, following the norm, as it were, that those discussions have been very in-depth, haven't they? It won't have been a decision that's just been made to say, oh, yeah, we'll take on this scheme or we'll do it this way. It's really understanding that. And also having that shared understanding I think we come back to that triangulation I know for particularly for schools who are using continuous provision um, into key stage one and sometimes beyond actually having that key understanding across the staff as to why we're doing that that rationale behind it and what it's bringing is really important because obviously that's important for your teaching and learning on a day-to-day but in terms of inspection we're back to the inspectors triangulating that and hearing the same messages and if you've said something then actually you're wanting your subject leads and the teachers and what they observe and the engagement with the children to be kind of feeding that through so I think that rationale for why not just the what but the why as well I think is really important. 
Absolutely. We were able to use subject leaders as well, Sarah, from across our three schools. Um, so, for example, my uh, math subject leader at Ullersthorpe had COVID, uh, unfortunately, during the time of the inspection. But the inspector's team were more than happy for my maths lead from another school to come across and be part of that because of the model that we use. So if any schools are involved in a trust or, or in that close working relationship, I, I think that's good practice. We have shared subject leaders anyway. Um, so I, I think that's good practice and great experience for the staff as much as anything else. So I don't think we've really touched on that, uh, Sarah, have we, in terms of actually Ofsted is a huge learning curve for all of us. I've learned a lot as a leader that's been really helpful for me to bring back to to my practice as a head teacher. And, you know, whilst the staff to some extent are going to talk negatively, it's never going to be a nice, nice experience, is it? Actually, I think we all at all three schools learn so much through that process. Yeah. And I think that's something that you reflect on kind of as, as the dust dust settles, regardless of the kind of outcome that you achieve, because you are there before Ofsted come and you're there after Ofsted come doing the best that you can for the children and, and supporting your team to move forward. And I think it's that reflection afterwards, which is always part of good practice, isn't it, to sit back and reflect on and pulling out because they will be they'll be asking pertinent questions or, or kind of prompting thoughts and maybe crystallising and ca- ca- clarifying some things for you in your mind and it sounds like then that you you kind of can then unpick and discuss that and weave that back into teaching and learning not for Ofsted but back into teaching and learning to have impact for the children to really make that difference. I would agree and sometimes Ofsted give you that reason and that vehicle for change that perhaps you were seeking as a leader. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of you're almost smiling, (laughs) you've had three inspections and you're almost smiling. (laughs) They're likely to come back to one of my schools, though, Sarah. So So I will remind you as you get the call that, you know, you've learned from last and actually you have been moving things forward in that school, haven't you? You've driven lots of developments and and actually you, you kind of there's conversations that you want to engage in, things that you'll want to showcase from actually this is where we've moved forward and this is why we've done it this is still strong for us so you'll be able to engage in that process again yes she says with a smile so just focusing on small schools just for the two small schools just for a moment is there anything else that that kind of when you were thinking about us doing this recording anything else that kind of you wanted to share around small school inspection in terms of how it was managed because you've got a small team haven't you and very few staff who have lots of responsibilities so might be worth if there's anything just around offering some maybe some reassurances around how that was managed and perhaps how inspectors interconnected some of the things that they were talking about with those adults or anything else that might be useful for a small school to hear that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it is intense when it's a small school because because there are fewer staff available to do all of the things that they're still going to do in a big school. So they still want to do their deep dive in reading, their deep dive in maths. But be very open with the inspectors in that initial conversation that it's the same person and it's the same person. And therefore, if they're meeting with you, they can't be in their classroom. And we found the inspectors were really fine about that. And because the timetable is agreed before the day of the inspection, Staff have got that reassurance that if they're in a meeting and an HLTA is covering, it's very unlikely that an inspector is going to walk into the classroom. Um, inspectors do understand small schools. Again, that was that was really clear to me. I had no concerns um, that they didn't understand um, small schools. So at all points in the inspection, uh, myself and the rest of the staff did feel that inspectors had a good understanding of, of what a small school meant. 
Um, and I think that's important because actually you're talking, you've got two small schools. So not only did you have that experience in one that we ha- will have had a different inspection team um, in your second school when they came and visited that. And again, you still had that sense that they understood what a school, small, small school was about and that you could engage with them in that conversation, explaining this person does X, Y, and Z, therefore, you know, they can't be in all places at once. And I think that is, again, another key message to hear, that you engage in that conversation with the inspectors to make them aware so that it's done with, it's not being done to you. The inspector inspector is saying, we want this, and that's what you have to do. Actually engaging and being proactive in those conversations with them, um, I think is important because realistically, they want to see the school in its in its in its most usual way possible. They don't want you to be doing things that aren't normal, if that makes sense. They want to see what it's really like for a child in that school on a on a atypical day. And whilst we understand having inspectors in on the day isn't typical, actually they're still looking to get a sense of what is it like to be a child in this school. So it, it's good to hear that you feel um, certainly from your point of view with two small schools inspected separately that they did understand what a school small school small school was about yeah that that's right and you know it is very much working with them not being done to I, I would echo what you said there Sarah the other thing to consider for small schools is space and rooms and that was a real challenge for us uh, in both of the small schools because the inspectors do need a base that's really important um, and they do need to be sometimes able to meet with children without another member of staff there so that's a really difficult juggling game but it's a case of just adapting things and giving up your office and whatnot in order to be able to to accommodate that um, but I think it's important for the inspectors to feel comfortable you know to have the tea the coffee the fruit all of those things because it can only help and build those relationships early on in the inspection process yeah absolutely absolutely um could we touch on documentation um just for a, for a few moments really in terms of things that either whether the inspectors ask for any documentation which they, they may not have but things that you or your team found useful to have at hand or useful to reference to exemplify what you're t- what you were talking about um, because of course paperwork documentation is something that people can sometimes worry about what should I have ready can they ask about this will they ask about this so I think just just a useful topic just to touch on if that's okay. So they asked for a number of things to be sent to them prior to the inspection. We offered our CEF, um, which they they did agree to take. I, in all honesty, don't know how much time was spent on their part looking at the CEF. So I would say to heads, yes, by all means, have a self-evaluation, but I don't need, I don't think it needs to be some massively extensive document. I think the shorter and more precise, um, the better. So we've actually slimmed ours down as a result of the inspection process. They wanted timetables, they wanted staff lists. Um, I think... Uh, the other thing they wanted was the development plan. Well, they asked if, if we had one and, and if we could send it. Um, and in my case, we have a, a shared development plan across um, all three schools. They'd already had a good look at the website. That was very clear. So it's important to know your website is up to date. And they will look at that prior to that initial call. We we got picked up on a couple of things, which they were very good about and let us change uh, very quickly once they realised we had the documentation. Um, they then asked us to, for a big list of things uh, for on the day of the inspection. Um, so uh, they wanted to know numbers of children um, who were on child protection plans, 
uh, or involved with early help. And they actually spent quite a lot of time looking at examples. So we logged them onto our safeguarding system. They would choose a child and they literally went through line by line. And if something hadn't been followed up, they would want to know, well, why why haven't you put that in there? So it's really important to have those, um, as I'm sure everybody has the safeguarding notes uh, up to speed. They wanted to know about things like number of incidents of bullying, number of racist incidents, um, any analysis that we had of behaviour incidents. Um, they wanted us to have attendance documentation ready. Um, the attendance at my schools, I think, like everybody's, has really struggled as a result of COVID. But I found in all three schools, the inspectors were incredibly supportive about attendance. Um, at one of the smaller schools, um, I shared a list of things that we'd done. And I said to them, if you've got anything else, please tell me if we're missing a trick. And actually, he could see the figure was low, but he said, I can see you're doing everything possible that, that you can do. So again, don't go in assuming if you've got an awful figure that they're going to pounce on that they the inspectors took the time to understand our context and to understand um what we'd done as a result of that um they did ask for some curriculum documentation um they uh, didn't they didn't take any of the documentation away with them that's that's important to to say so i would have ready you know things like your overviews for your subjects if you've got intent statements I wished I'd have had them all in a folder ready to go. So when she spoke to me and said, right, okay, I found this in science, show me your music or show me your RE. I wish I'd have got all that to hand, whereas we were trying to find it on our school systems because everything's digital. So I think just think about how you organise your information prior to the inspection to make all of that as, as easy as possible. I think they were the main things, Sarah, that uh, they asked us for. Oh, they wanted... Um, they they asked us for uh, particular lists of children, so disadvantaged, special educational needs, etc. Uh, they wanted those lists uh, ready so that they could randomly pick those children. And I think it would be fair to say of all the things that you've talked about there, again, that no real surprises. We know the website needs to be compliant and it's well worth kind of keeping up to date with the things that you need on your website to be compliant, because often that does kind of get refined or a new things gets added in. But you're quite right. And again, I've heard in, in other conversations that well, we hadn't got this on our website or this, but because we'd got the document, it just hadn't been loaded. We were able to do that and that kind of worked everything through. And all the things that you've talked around um, anti-bullying, um, around bullying incidents, racist incidents, around um, safeguarding and attendance. They're things that actually form part of your day-to-day, week-to-week processes. Actually, if your systems are strong, all of that should be in place, shouldn't it? So again, it's making sure that for your day-to-day practices that those systems are working so that that information is there. And I think collating that, you know, having that overview is very helpful because it's always a busy time. And if you've got a one-day inspection, it's literally a day, isn't it? And even in a two-day inspection, such a lot happens on that first day. And you want to be there. <laughs> you do and you don't want to be there in it, of course. But you want to be in it, not necessarily kind of adding to the the kind of the pressures by having to find that information. So I think wise words in, in terms of thinking about how things are organised, because it's very likely that schools have all of those things but it's actually getting to them on the day. I think that's that's kind of quite key. Yeah, they can all be in different places. But I would say things like, you know, most of us will do a, a timely head teacher report to governors. A lot of that information is in there. 
yeah so just have have those to hand and ready to go um we've not really touched on governors um sarah and trustees but uh, both were involved in all three of my inspections um and it's really important that the the governors are in their monitoring and they're able to speak the say give the same messages as as the school are and and for us the same with the trust as well um you know the trust know what our priorities are we know what the trust priorities are uh, etc so so both of those are, are key components absolutely and i think for governors in particular if you're a school who has got got governors um you know they don't they're not necessarily they're not necessarily qualified teachers and such like actually they bring a wealth of different knowledge and skills don't they to that to that role and um, so it's not that they're going to be asked lots and lots of in-depth things about teaching and learning but again they need to have that that kind of overview and they do need to be fulfilling their statutory responsibilities that is something that the inspectors will look at so making sure that they are doing those visits they are in attendance at meetings they are undertaking the cpd that they need to be doing um but i think you mentioned earlier about those governor reports and and I know when I was inspected as a head teacher when I spoke to my governors I said it's all in your head teacher's report so actually just get that and just read through that and you can take that in with you if you want to so that you can reference it it's not a it's not a test is it for anybody who's involved be that governors be that trust staff be that subject leads be that practitioners it's not a test that you have to know everything in your head all of the time it is okay to reference documents it is okay to say actually I've not got that right now I'll, go, I'll come back to you about it it's not a you have have to answer now or that's it everything's over it's that's not that, it that's works. right Sarah and once for each after the first inspection once I knew what the kind of broad areas would be I made notes under things like SMSC what do I want to say on SMSC what do I want to say on behavior and our restorative approach what do we want yeah. to say on early years um yeah. you you can prepare ahead of the game um yeah. for these kind of meetings yeah. And again, I think going through that process, yes, is is in part getting ready for inspection, particularly for yourself, because you've, you've got other two, two other schools which you knew would be due for inspection. But again, that's almost part of that reflection, isn't it? Again, in terms of actually what would I have said or what didn't I say or actually what do we need to do around that? So it's still that kind of bigger picture reflects it reflecting on uh, how how the inspection went and what you took from it um, and I'm sure as you work in a trust I'm sure lots of people were in touch with you saying how was it what were your top tips and those sorts of things <laughs> absolutely absolutely <laughs> so I think that kind of takes us seamlessly into into kind of top tips from your point of view you've mentioned a few around kind of subject uh, leadership team being involved in that initial conversation you've mentioned some around kind of having organization and paperwork and timetables and things ready you've had conversations around making sure that um, you've got those sorts of things organized but what else would you is there anything else that you would kind of recommend either with your hat of executive head teacher or particularly with your small school experience any any other top tips that you would share yeah a, a few things I think subject leaders particularly are a huge part of the inspection around the work on the curriculum and we need to train our subject leaders to be able to talk in the right way about their subject and to use um, the buzzwords really um, to be able to verbalize the intent the implementation and the impact of their curriculum be able to verbalize what the next steps are and why and we've been doing a lot of, of work on that since the inspection that was that was a real eye-opener for me you know my subject leaders are brilliant but actually, they've not really been in a situation where they've had to explain all of this to an inspector. 
uh, when they're feeling nervous and when the adrenaline's pumping around the body. So we've, we've done quite a bit of work on that. I think the way schools approach inspections is so important. It's a lot about the ethos that we've got anyway. You know, we're proud of what we do. And yes, you know, we will listen to what an inspector tells us. We'd be silly not to. But actually, we know our context. We know our children and we know how and how we're going to get our children to flourish. And I think that's both around your general ethos, but also around when you get that inspection call. If we as leaders go into a panic at that point and our senior staff go into a panic, everybody else will follow we had a place behind a closed door where those of us that were senior leaders were able just to, you know, spout forth. But actually, yeah. when we were out of that room, we were calm, we were focused and trying to get those positive messages across all of the time. Um, the staff throughout wanted to be informed. I think that that's an, another top tip. There are certain things you're allowed to say and there are certain things that you're not. That you're not. But, you know, at the end of day one, where we had a two day inspection, we did take time. It was about six o'clock at night where we fed back to the staff, either face to face or online, because, you know, we're all a staff team and and everybody should be involved as much as possible at, at every step of the process. And it matters, doesn't it? You know, we know, um, rightly or wrongly, Ofsted is quite a, a big part of kind of school life if you're in that window and there's lots of conversations around it and people talk about getting the call and are we ready and all those sorts of things. And when you're in it, it matters. And I think it matters as well to keep that team feel there, that bond there, the things that you would have there already on any day, really. And I think you're quite right in terms of if there are things that you and your leadership team need to stand in a room and <laughs> have a few moments about then you do do that behind closed doors but that outwardly you, you kind of keep the calm you're that swan aren't you you may you're smiling on the outside and, and peddling peddling underneath and I think in terms of subject leaders certainly under this framework it is much much there's much more onus on the subject leaders to engage in those conversations and to be proactive with what they're doing for their subject through the school um and that, again, has was a shift from the previous inspection where actually I know when I was inspected, which was under the old framework, a lot of the conversations stopped with me in terms of I, I started lots of those conversations and the inspectors went off and, and explored that and subject leaders were not involved hugely, whereas now they are involved in that deep dive conversation and they will be asked about what 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 knowledge and skills the children might be knowing and building through the school um what 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 we're expecting from different year groups but also we'll be asked about not just the curriculum and how do you know how the children are progressing but also what are you doing to support your staff what are you doing to strengthen the subject in the school and again that's something that i know my conversations can sometimes be a bit hard because of um, timetabling because of work-life balance because of staff meeting time but actually subject leads are now expected to be more heavily involved in their role it's not just a title it is about having impact isn't it it is and my subject leaders were asked to go with the inspector to observe the sessions as part of the deep dive and they were questioned really questioned 
you know, um, so, you know, they wanted the maths leader to know exactly where each teacher was in terms of progression through White Rose. If they weren't where they should be, why weren't they? What were they doing about it? Um, so that role of subject leader is important to the point. Actually, sometimes as leader, I felt a bit redundant during the inspection uh, because you'd done all this preparation and then the team were out speaking to your staff. And yes, you know, we've always got plenty to do, but it, it was a very odd experience. In, when I've been inspected previously, it's been so much more about the leadership and and it really has shifted now yeah yeah absolutely and again you're not the first head or executive head to say that to me in terms of you're heavily involved at the start you're heavily involved in that conversation in setting things up obviously you're heavily involved in offering that reassurance and support to staff as things are moving forward you're there when the inspectors need you um but they'll be very clear when they don't need you um and and yeah you, you do find yourself kind of with time on your hands i think is is my impression from speaking not just to yourself but to other heads as well that yeah it's, you're not as involved as you perhaps think because it's about that distributed leadership it's about that shared vision that shared understanding that shared knowledge about teaching and learning and what you're doing for your children so they're of course triangulating everything that you've said and really digging into that aren't they which is why you can't be involved in everything that's right yeah, interesting, interesting. Well, it's been really useful to hear hear kind of your your viewpoints and um, in terms of what happened. You've had three inspections, you've had different experiences, um, different outcomes as well. Each school have had slightly different areas for development. I, I know that there are similar strengths across the schools as well, and actually you're very well connected with three schools to be kind of driving things forward. But I think it's been a really, really good conversation to have. So thank you so much for your time this afternoon. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Sarah. So there you go. That was fantastic. Sarah, thank you very much. That was brilliant. Really, really enjoyed listening to that. It was really, really interesting. Um, completely different sort of perspective, isn't it? I think, you know, talking to Emma, who obviously is an executive head over three schools, I think what came across, I think, was, was very much the idea that Emma was in that great position of being able to learn from an inspection and then take it into the second inspection and then learn from that inspection and take it into the third. So, you know, the perspective that she brings is really interesting. You know, I love the sort of the top tips that she brought to it. That, you know, what would be my top tips for an inspection when that phone rings? What sorts of conversations do you need to be having? And some of them, I think, are so simple, aren't they? You know, the, the idea of, you know, just putting your phone on speakerphone and having the team around you. Is, is simple, isn't it? But not everybody thinks in that way, and particularly when the panic sets in, it's very easy to miss something like that, isn't it? So, yeah, I loved her top tips. Um, yeah, Sarah, um, that was that was great, as I say. Um, the um, If people are wanting to, to listen to, I'm sure people will be wanting to listen to the Head to Head podcast based on that. Um, so how do, how do people listen? How do they get to it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, so they need to go to our website, earlyexcellence.com, and then on the Ideas and Inspirations tab, there is a little drop-down that's got Early Excellence podcasts on, which, of course, yours feature. Um, the Head to Head sits in, on that same page. Um, there are some already there that you can listen to, and then you can subscribe. And then you just subscribe, and then we'll be sending you the links each month so you can do that. And I think, you know, I do. I think I said when I did the introductory session with you kind of back in January, they won't, they're not all about school inspection. Um, we do, but we do know that schools are really interested to hear about those things. Um, but we have got some coming about vision and values 
and school development. And we've also got some curriculum conversations. And I would say, um, you will have picked up from listening today, Emma didn't go into a huge amount of detail around deep dives because obviously she wasn't directly involved in them. However, some of the ones that we've already released, the subject leaders have have joined me and the head teacher. So actually the subject leads have given some really good insights into those deep dives. So, uh, So if you haven't already signed up, those ones are well worth a listen to find out more about that deep dive element, which again is something that I know lots of people are interested in. So yeah, it's free. It's out there monthly. Um, And as I say, thanks so much for letting me come along and and share with your listeners in the hope that they'll join me too. That's absolutely fine. And it's a a real pleasure. Thank you very much. So yeah, thank you to Sarah for joining us and also to Emma as well. Um, And that's about it for this week. Um, Thank you very much to all of you for listening uh, and for joining in with the conversation. It's always great to hear back from people in terms of the the things that we're putting out there. And we're hearing lots from people on Twitter and and on social media, some great feedback coming in. Um, Interestingly, from all around the world, um, I had people from Dubai the other day saying, saying that they were listening along which kind of blows my mind a little bit um but yeah fantastic all the same that is it for this week everybody thank you very much for listening and uh, and we'll see you next week